Welcome to Free to Watch, the podcast about free to watch film, TV and podcasts in the UK. I'm Rachel. And I'm Sharon. And warning before we start, spoilers for everything we discussed today. So we're going to start with a documentary about the drag artist Jinx Monsoon and it's called Drag Becomes Him. Sharon, can you read the blurb for us? I'll read the blurb. So, Drag Becomes Him provides an intimate glimpse inside the life of internationally acclaimed drag performer Jinx Monsoon. It was directed by Alex Berry and it stars Jinx Monsoon and various other acquaintances and family of Jinx Monsoon. Yeah, short one. Short blurb to begin with. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So, I'm going to start saying this is quite a quiet documentary. Yeah. Like it's there's not many big reveals in it. It's not loud in your face. It's a very quiet story about Jinx or Jarek. Um his upbringing and what led him to drag. Mm-hmm. Um if you're wanting a documentary with lots of shocking revelations, this is not it. No, no, not at all. <laughs> No, um, it's there is something very. Um, if you've seen Paris is Burning, there is something very reflective of that in watching Derek become Jinx, like like the sat by the wind, sat by the mirror, doing the makeup, beating her face, kind of thing, and very intimate in the way it's filmed as well. Um, Mm -hmm. it felt incredibly raw to watch some of it. A little bit uncomfortable almost when you were talking to some of the family and yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe there is one revelation kind of halfway through. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's very honest from the off. This is more about the artistry and the evolution of Jarek into Jinx. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're presenting kind of with a very supportive family and I really enjoyed the bit about Death Becomes Her, how Jarek loved Death Becomes Her and obsessively watched it and his mother got him the VHS from the video store to watch over and over again Um, and it made me really want to watch that film because I love that film so much Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and how Jarek is saying that he was pulled towards that hyper femininity, yeah, um, because he was mostly raised by women, which was just adorable. And yeah. I was like, Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis, amazing film, could it totally is. relate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That notion of constantly being young and beautiful and keeping that, which, yeah, I guess is very much reflected in drag with a lot. Mm. typical drag drag of the yeah wanting to be beautiful and yeah and quite quite impressive how young he started his career at the age of 15 and just watching yeah watching him blossom I suppose watching the very very early stuff to I suppose it was in 2015 and seven years on when you see that difference between where he started, where he was in 2015 and where he is now is just mm-hmm. really watching someone grow as a performer and really grow into that character of Jinx. It's, yeah, 
it was um yeah like some yeah, of the nice old found footage of when he's performing like kind of in the first experimental stages of jinx at the smyrc mm. at all ages um events was amazing i was just like how progressive and open-minded portland is to mm. enable young people to really go and learn about themselves and be in a secure safe environment i was really impressed by that and the footage is so much fun it's just full of teenage confidence and mm -hmm. bra bravado and showmanship and when jerick's talking about his grandmother how he would go for her approval before the shows mm -hmm. and he'd be like tonight I'm going to be this country star and bring out this humongous big bouffant of a wig and she'd be like country stars aren't like that they're really put together very refined and he'd mm -hmm. be like well I just wanted to do the opposite of what my grandmother said because <laughs> it was more fun <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, yeah it just it was really sweet to see and I think this film especially if you were a young person who or just a person you don't even have to be young just kind of wanting to see how someone else has done this journey or seeing the support seeing how brave he's been in some ways just to be so honest about who he is I think this would be very good for someone to watch um just to know that it's not all scary and that there is that there can be a very supportive and fun way to bring yourself into this world really yeah yeah and yeah. I, I liked all the talking heads with his friends where mm. um his friends would be like oh you meet him and you think he was really quiet and shy and then you get to know him and he's just such a massive weirdo yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> And how he's just accepted for being this quiet weirdo. Yeah. Um, and how the way Jericho Vols as a person in coordination with the character of Jinx, um, he actively seeks out these nurturing artistic environments. Mm -hmm. So when he was a teenager at the SMYRC organization, then into college, then into the type of drag environments he started working in. He's really seeking out like minded, creative people to collaborate yeah. with. Yeah. And I I thought that was one of his like most amazing qualities. He's a serial collaborator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot from watching RuPaul, you, you're so used to, I spent a lot of time alone. I didn't really have anyone to, you know, try my drag with or mm -hmm. be accepted by. But Jinx is the opposite. Yeah. He's like, my brothers love me. My parents love me. My grandmother love me. And then I create another family out of my friends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think that that in itself is quite unique when you hear some of the stories from, say, Drag Race or something that 
so many people create a drag family because they didn't have that normal family environment or they were rejected by their normal family or they felt the need to run away. So I think his having that those two supports underneath him have helped to create the the beautiful monster that is Jinx Monsoon. It's um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I must admit, when I started this up, I was like, oh, I confused Jinx with another drag queen. Because I, I'm not, I was one of these people who watched RuPaul in the background of things. I was never, like, mm. sit down, watch it. Mm. Um, so when Jinx came on the screen, I was like, oh, I do remember Jinx. And I always just thought he was constantly stoned throughout the whole of Drag Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because he's so chill yeah <laughs> yeah compared to so many of the drag representations that we have on screen mm. he's just so relaxed and calm and quietly funny like yeah. his his jarek personality is just very relaxed mm. and then when he becomes jinx that's mm. where all the crazy comes out yeah and there's a clear divide between him and the character. And I think one of his brothers says, "I like the more famous he gets, the more I hope he doesn't lose Jarek." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, they are two different people, but there is that fear that one's going to get lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so I hope he can keep that divide mm. um and i i was just like i just really want to live in either portland or seattle they're just like amazing <laughs> creative um multicultural accepting places and mm. i was like they seem really great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but there there are a few hard bits in the documentary like he, i felt the talking heads with his dad was very honest yeah 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 there was there was some discomfort around that and as well it was really interesting to see his mother as well that having watched was it season five of drag race that he was on whichever one it was and that scene where he does talk about what happened with his mother and then you see his mother talk about what happened and that is you never normally get that side of things you normally only get the queen's side of things and to see that it felt quite almost like you were a fly on the wall like oh should I be listening to this should I leave should yeah it was so honest and open I I mean for anyone who hasn't watched this season of Drag Race about all the way through the advertising of Drag Race there was a scene where Jinx was crying Mm -hmm. and Jarek's mother it's like, when's this scene going to happen? And Jarek was, like, avoiding it the best he could. And when the scene is aired, finally, he is talking about how his mother was an alcoholic and he had to raise his two brothers because she wasn't about and how he feels very guilty that he went off to Seattle, well, went off to college, went off to Seattle to develop his career and left his brothers with their alcoholic mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we have this talking head with the mother where she's reacting to this. And she, she's just 
just like, I thought everything was great. We were just having loads of fun and it was excellent. I didn't realize it was a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. She was yeah. like, yeah, it was just a barrel of laughs, me and the three boys. And Jinx yeah. was like, I had to raise my two brothers myself. But, yeah. And then also when the mother watched this scene, she was in a house full of all her friends. And suddenly mm-hmm. she's like called out in front of all her friends. In front of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. It was interesting getting to see that. Yeah, and I, but at the same time, I felt the way they dealt with it was very mature. So she called Jarek, they had a conversation. Jarek was able to tell her exactly how it was for him growing up. Mm-hmm. And they kind of created some kind of peace. Yeah. Um, it, like, it wasn't as dramatic as it could have been or as you know, bad as it could have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, so again, there's something, there's almost a, not a learning curve there, but maybe an example of things might have been bad in the past, but that these relationships can be tied back together. They can be fixed. They can, yeah, be salvaged mm-hmm. and maybe improved. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I I felt his dad's interviews were very honest. Like, he seemed very aware, like, his and Jarek's relationship, he describes as not deep. You know, he wasn't always around. It's a bit awkward to speak to him now. And, you know, he really owned up to his lack of responsibility and his roles in fatherhood. Mm. But was still so proud and accepting her of his son. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I and that conversation where Jarek came out and the two of them, the mother and the father, like, well, what do we do now? Well, we don't do anything. He's not changed as a person. We just know that he came out. Like, that was quite refreshing to hear. And I've got yeah, to be honest. I was like, the, watch- yeah, he's not going to change. Continue. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I was just a wee bit sceptical when I heard that, that I don't know how much I believe that that was the conversation that happened. And maybe the dad was trying to paint himself in a better light. That, But then if at that time the mother is drunk and the kids are looking after each other and he can paint it however he wants. But either way, that there was no drama about it, that it was just, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people say we knew when people come out. A lot of the time you're new. It was just them being brave enough to to say it to themselves and to yeah be honest with themselves and people around them yeah I I feel like at the beginning his mother was very much oh it's fine for him to be gay but I didn't want him to dress up yeah yeah I didn't want him to wear women's clothes so like she seemed very much in denial that drag might be something that he'd be interested in she hid it kind of under the guise that you know, it was hard enough being gay. He didn't also need to wear women's clothes. Yeah. However, I do feel like there was some apprehension, um, a bit of kind of homophobia around drag. Yeah. 
Um, and I felt like some of that kind of got washed away once Jinx made it. Uh huh. After RuPaul, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you read between the lines, if it had been mm. a fully accepting environment, he wouldn't have been running off to his grandma's house every weekend mm-hmm. to to be who he wanted to be and develop as a person and a performer and a character. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. I take some of the talking heads with a pinch of salt, but yeah, some some of them felt a bit sanitized. Mm. Um, kind of keeping up appearances, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I did really love his relationships with his brothers. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they was they're all so close and accepting. And there's a bit where he hugs his brother and gets makeup all over <laughs> him, and he has to call his brother back to kind of get the makeup off of his beard and stuff. And it's his brother's just not bothered at all. Mm-hmm. He's just mm-hmm. like, this is me and my brother this is yeah. how we are yeah um there was there was a few weird scenes in it for me so there seemed to be a lot of weird torso shots yeah um which i was like <laughs> i didn't really feel they were completely necessary like topless men uh lounging around at picnics or like yeah like it wasn't they didn't seem natural because the rest of the documentary were very much like, you know, filming people as they got ready or as they were doing stuff. So these isolated shots of torsos seemed a bit weird to me. I, I like, wondered, I wondered, is that was that just stuff that, that Jinx and friends had filmed while they were out being cool, crazy kids? Um, some of the scenes, like the party scenes and the the picnic scenes and the, yeah. This is this is our little cool kids steady cam moment and yeah I, I don't know maybe I don't know. um I did appreciate how like all Jinx's friends are wearing like shorts and topless and Jinx is there like all black in the glaring <laughs> sun with a big black hat on like being her authentic goth Jinx <laughs> self <laughs> I really really love that um. And where was my other weird bit? Oh, the bit near the end of uh, Jinx having to pee. (laughs) (laughs) They answered a question for me because that's what I always wondered. You've got so many layers on. You've got all that padding. You've tucked yourself up there. Do you just not drink water all night? Like, what do you do? Yeah, you hold it in and then you do that. And then have a 20-minute bathroom break. Yeah, yeah. Behind the curtain, quite literally behind the curtain. Yeah. And then I suppose... Do we really need the shot of the stream? The pee no, of stream? No we, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. But then it did lead on to another, because it was a very positive documentary, and that was what was so nice about it and so enjoyable about it. But there was that one moment of darkness where she was talking about walking home, and you... Mm-hmm. how people would you know honk at her and she wouldn't say that she was in drag she would just be a woman and hope for the best or hope you know like if they realize she's in drag that it's it's just someone looking for a good time but you mm-hmm. never kind of went over the cliff of what if it's someone who means harm or what if it yeah 
there was that hint to that, but we never went that far. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's much else I want to talk about. I really enjoyed uh, the Vaudevillians, which is oh, yeah. Jinx and Jinx and his friend Richard. Richard might have a stage name, but I don't think I called it. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of musical cabaret um, team. I really enjoyed them quite a lot. Their songs were very funny. Um. I got I just got the vibe that Jinx Jarek really loves just having experiences and meeting people. Yeah. And elevating himself through yeah. the people he meets. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. It really says a lot about his artistry and also acceptance of the world. Yeah. Absolutely. No, definitely, um, definitely very positive and very interesting because Jinx is mm-hmm. definitely a character and just one of my favourite, favourite drag queens. Um, and, yeah. and did confirm to me that he gets done quite a lot and that I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wrong with watching RuPaul. Because <laughs> at one point he says, I'm, I'm a very highly strong OCD Virgo and we'd just you know, detensifies that. And I was like, see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. A lot of weed use in this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I, I also did get the vibe that Jarrett's personality is just very chill. And when you compare mm-hmm. that to a room of highly strung, uh, loud drag queens manically preparing for challenges, that does stand out quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a nice balance. But no, overall I would say this one was good. Good. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It was good. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So next was Scorch. Sure. Oh, do you know what we didn't say? What we didn't say. Oh. Um the, the the Jinx Monsoon documentary was on Freebie. Oh, thank you. Freebie. Yeah, so if you want to watch it, it's on freebie. Drag, drag becomes him. We are going um, to hang of this. <laughs> slowly, slowly. Uh, yeah, so sorry. The next one uh, that we're going to look at, the next film, is Scorched, which is available on Plex. Um, it's a 2002 film, and let's read the blurb. Very short blurb. By chance, three employees robbed their bank the same weekend. Oh, it gives the whole thing away. Well, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, But we did say spoilers, so. We did. So this is a 2002 comedy um, starring quite a few. I mean, you pretty much recognise everyone that's in this film from something else. Um, Yes. The main players are Alicia Silverstone, Rachel Lee Cook, Woody Harrelson and John Cleese. But yeah, everyone else you will recognise from something else. Um, mm-hmm. And I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Thoroughly. I felt it was very early 2000s cheesy good. Yes. Yes. Like, it, it's so kind of wacky. 
<laughs> it's hard to dislike it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like even the opening scene, whereas a kid flying his remote control plane and then it lands in the middle of the road and then the motorcycle drives over it. I knew exactly what we were in for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a, a wacky comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, then as you get into the opening scene, it's like, why, why is everyone covered in bruises? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love the way that they, it's one of them where you start at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And then we go back and work at how we got to the end of the film um, over one long, crazy weekend. Um, because you know that bank's getting robbed. You just don't know who's done it or if they've gotten away mm-hmm. with it or if it's any of them or if it's someone else. Um, and, yeah, just very, very fun si- it's like every chance they had to make someone laugh about something, they took. Um, yes. Be it a farcical comedy, physical comedy, incredibly dark comedy, just situational. It was just very slick in the way it was edited. Um, yeah, but but we shall speak a bit about the film itself instead of me just gushing over it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I completely agree with all your points. Um, uh, so that that opening scene is like really fun, and then the, my next note is about the coffee shop scene where the bank manager Rick is breaking up with his girlfriend Alicia Silverstone, mm-hmm. and um, he's talking at her, just being a proper doofus. Just yeah, <laughs> this horrible smug kind of professional banky guy yeah wanker guy um and she's just sat there staring at him and you can just feel the rage coming off of her yeah and and at the same time as two firefighters sat at the counter at the coffee shop and they're just talking nonsense and you can't tell like if she's getting annoyed at them or like annoyed at the guy who's breaking up with her and then suddenly like one of the guys at the counter has hiccups and the other one's saying oh if I scare you I'll get rid of your hiccups and suddenly she just jumps out of her seat like shakes him and starts screaming at him and I was like this, I didn't know Alicia Silverstone had this in her <laughs> <laughs> it was really good um yeah, um, and the ne- the next scene we go to after that is literally like we slowly meet each employee and what their situation is mm-hmm. on that Friday. Um, and uh, we meet Woody Harrelson. Uh, I believe his character's name is Jason, living out in the middle of nowhere in the California desert. I assume we're in California because it feels mm-hmm. like California. Um, just looking at a lizard and getting all intimate with the, not intimate with the lizard but you know what in the lizard's face talking about how it's not getting intimate with the lizard sorry <laughs> so, getting up and close and personal with the lizard there's no way to say this that doesn't sound like Woody is being inappropriate with a lizard but he's getting well I put he, I put he's trying to tame a lizard 
Okay. That still sounds wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The lizard's having none of it either way. And then we go straight into stupid physical comedy. Um, And then we're next on to the other employee. Um, Oh, what happens with the other employee? Uh, Ice cream parlor. Oh, that made me laugh. Yeah. That made me completely laugh out loud. Just that completely out of nowhere splat. Loved it. Loved yes. It. You... Um, Dolman is his name. He works in an ice cream parlor and his boss is not very happy with uh, the free sample, the size of the free samples that he's giving away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. after being grilled out by his manager, he then decides to go make a snowball out of some ice cream and throw it at his manager. And it is fantastic yeah yeah because you don't know you you're kind of watching the scene thinking oh he's just going to give this little old lady a really really good good pile of but no he's using his hands he's what's he gonna and then snap it just straight in the face it's amazing it's just so funny but it it all these little scenes just kind of set you up for there's a bunch of kids that clearly don't care they're young they're having fun and whatever but there's little they're coming to the edge of that. They're they're getting him either impatient with just being on the edge of stuff. Um, clearly, Alicia Silverstone's character Sheila mm-hmm. is in a massive change of life place, and Woody Harrelson's character, um, it's just yeah, Woody Harrelson, Woody it's Harrelson not- just loves the quirky, bizarre characters. Yeah. Um, so Buddy Harrelson, as Sharon said, in his um, eco-dome tent in the California desert um, with his pet duck, George, who, who he rescues after George's mother is murdered, hunted to death. Um, and there, there is a fantastic scene with Woody take, trying to take the footprint of George the duck Mm-hmm. and failing and a lot of physical comedy there yeah but woody's um plan is to avenge george's mother's death and that's his driver uh sheila alicia silverstone her driver is she wants to get back at her ex-boyfriend who is the manager of the bank mm. and then we have this other character, Stuart, who is quite an uptight guy. Yeah. He he kind of works in the bank, had this slight idea, unfortunately shares it with his crazy friend, Mark, who is played by David Krumholtz. Um, and his, sorry, his friend Max, I misread that. Um, and Max... It's like, we should do this idea. We should do your idea to rob the bank. And Stuart's like, no, I don't want to. This is a bad mm-hmm. idea. But mm-hmm. kind of gets bullied into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 By being told he's a stick in the mud, basically. And during that scene, they are playing quite a fun little game of record clay pigeon shooting, where they just have old records and they're slingshotting them. Sounds like a great way to spend a day. Um, yeah, I might just go find some old records in a slingshot. 
uh, while you are getting nowhere near my record collection. Thank you very much. <laughs> Although I, I'm sure I have some very old Rod Stewart records that could be spared that once upon a time were my parents. Uh, oh, I'm sure this charity shop's full of full of things we could find. Yeah, yeah. we don't need to destroy your uh, your heirlooms. <laughs> Uh, but generally, they're all kind of frustrated, low-level employees with a plan mm-hmm. off in their own little silos, nurturing those plans. So it's it's very much a comedy heist movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, John Cleese's character, Charles, I believe is his name, mm-hmm. is just an evil rich man. Just the typical evil rich man with his adorable little dog, um, Itchy, who we're introduced to wearing a little camo coat and uh, uh, just being a crappy little adorable dog. Um, and it's it's Charles and Itchy versus the world, basically. It's um, He's just so mean. Just so I mean. have literally written meanie. He's a meanie. <laughs> There's a very cute uh, scene of of him being a complete twat to a Girl Scout, just trying to sell some cookies. Um, yeah. Uh, just, it just, it doesn't stop this film. It just keeps, keeps going. There's just any chance they had to have a giggle mm-hmm. or a laugh or do something stupid. Uh, yeah. They've done it. Yeah. I. <laughs> so yeah, the, the Pomeranian is great. The little yes. Pomeranian dog. Um, also, there's so once the plans get into action, Buddy Harrelson's off on his own, avenging George's mother um, mm. with Charles, who was the perpetrator of this crime. So he's taking on Charles and the Pomeranian, Itchy. <laughs> um, Alicia Silverstone's character, Sheila, um, it's kind of like hooking up with one of the firemen from the the kind of opening scene um, and just blurting out her plan to this guy she hardly knows. And I'm just like, a bit risky. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a fireman, love. He's a, he's there to help serve the people, but he yeah, he clearly doesn't mind. He's quite happy to no. uh, listen. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And Stuart Max head off to steal the money, head off to Vegas to try and double it to get the money back into the bank before it's noticed. Yeah. Um, And I I really enjoyed the thought process that had gone into this, that they all had different plans to rob the bank, but they were all robbing separate elements of the bank. Mm -hmm. So Stu and Max are after the cash drawers and the little safe behind the counter. Alicia Silverstone, Sheila, she's just after the money in the cash machines. Woody Harrelson, Jason, he's just after Charles's safety deposit box mm-hmm. in the big safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just slightly missing each other on their plans. So they don't even know the other ones of trying to rob the bank at the same time. Genius. Absolutely yeah. genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there is another character as well 
the the fella who was the ice cream perpetrator, mm-hmm. the ice cream snowball perpetrator, he just wants a job. So he turns up there as well on the day that everything's uh, being, have been, has been robbed. Um, so we go back to him and how he ended up walking into the bank that morning um, trying to get a job or trying to be there for his first day of a job. Um, and his little friend Schmolly. What kind of name is Schmolly? I'm not sure, but you do you, Schmolly. Um, and they have these fun little scenes on the side where she's also um, kind of trying to fight John Cleese's character in her own adorable little Dungeons and Dragons way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they there's little bits of them running throughout as well. Um, yeah like and with those two sorry I was mentioning those two because there's quite nice ways in this film that they've brought you onto the next scene without being um obvious so she sat there watching Charles on TV advertising his uh make get rich quick schemes and stuff and she hates him because she's lost money to him and she's telling um ice cream boy her plan to go and egg the house and he's like oh how do you know which one it is she's like oh it's that one up on the up on the top of the hill you'll know it we then cut to Woody driving up to a hill trying to climb up this house and we know automatically it's the same house so it was just a really without being ex- explicit ex, ex what's the word ex, expository without saying it There is a technical word for this that I cannot remember. Um, But without being too exposy, they've they've Mm -hmm. slickly told us this is where she is and this is where they both are. It just very... um... And of course, hilarity ensues when they're both trying to uh, do things to the house. But it was just very Mm -hmm. slick the way they'd done that as well. Just, um, yeah. I must admit, I did get quite emotional when they started egging the house because... Obviously, in the UK, we're having huge problems getting hold of eggs at the moment. I love eggs. And I was like, no, they're wasting eggs. And then I had to, like, <laughs> bring myself back into the world. This would be 20-year-old eggs now, Rachel. 20 I know. Old. I was like, the poor eggs. <laughs> Not meeting their eggy destiny. But I suppose they just met a different eggy destiny. And you're That's right. True. They would be 20-year-old eggs. Right they now. would. They would. Yeah. I I feel that also you know it is an early 2000s film when the eels are in the soundtrack to the film. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a fun little soundtrack as well. Yeah. Yeah, very college rock soundtrack, which I enjoyed. (laughs) There's a Mm -hmm. bit in the bank. Where Jason Woody Harrelson's character comes into the bank, and Alicia Silverstone, Sheila, and the firefighter are asleep under a table, and I just couldn't understand how they slept so long in that awkward position. It no. must have been so uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no, no. You'd, you'd not even be comfortable sitting like that for an hour. I don't know. But it was it was the early two thousands. We we did crazy things like sleep under tables for entire nights, comfortably. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to be young oh. again. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, I kind of don't want to spoil the ending. There's a few bits where you think the j- jig is up, but, mm. you know, it continues on. Um, and I... I think one of the bits I really enjoyed is when Sheila says to the horrible ex-boyfriend bank manager that is just a deplorable person that mm-hmm. she's she manages to quote back to him his like breakup speech and I'm just like yes yeah high five Here for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah it was really fun got quite a few laughs out of me kind of in a similar vein to Rat Race I don't know if you ever watched that film mm. Um, mm. a bit of like Harold and Kumar mm. um, kind of vibes and I really enjoyed it yeah 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 no I would say this would be on my very good list Um, yeah very good it oh, just very good very good it just made me laugh so much it was just so stupid all the time um yeah if you're in a bad mood if you need if you need cheering up and you just want to watch something stupid this is the film to watch um yeah if you want a little early 2000s nostalgia this is the film to watch if you're yeah i'd I'd thoroughly recommend it thoroughly recommend it yeah i I would go good i don't think i'd go very good but it (laughs) took me back to a time when i was a teenager and i used to watch these kind of slapsticky comedy cheesiness with my brother and um it's definitely like a good nostalgia vibe there yeah 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 it's dangerous creatures meets the tarantino film is how it felt for me so yeah, <laughs> yeah. love it yeah okay great. so i suppose on to our next one which um <sighs> right Predestination, 2014, um, released 2014. For his final assignment, a top temporal agent must pursue the one criminal that has eluded him throughout time. The chase turns into a unique and surprising and mind-bending exploration of love, fate, identity and time travel taboos. It has Ethan Hawke in it and Sarah Snook and is directed by the Spurring Brothers. Spurring Brothers. Um, Yeah, that's how I'm pronouncing it. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But also not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If, If after we've talked about this film, you want to watch it, it's on ITV Player. But I don't know if you'll need that information. Yeah, by the time we're done with this, it's also on Freebie, and um, I picked this because both ITV and Freebie kept recommending it to me, and I was like, "Oh, I'll I'll just put it on." Like I think it was last weekend, um, or a Monday night or something, and I thought, "Oh, I'll just put it on something casual to watch." I I didn't watch it, go into it, same thinking that we talk about it this week. However, afterwards, I was like, Sharon, I need to talk about this. Please watch it. I have some stuff to say. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Go can, ahead. Can we just start by saying this is really bad? Yeah. Yeah. And um the, oh. the opening scene it is it's very cheesy, it's a deep dark voice talking over what's happening. It's kind of that weird forced sci-fi noir feel to it that's very reminiscent of uh, Liam Neeson's Dark Man, if you've ever seen it, which is like a Mm. 90s superhero film set in loads of industrial environments and stuff. And I'm like, this is going to be bad. But then the next scene, like after, you know, the opening scene is a bomb that Ethan Hawke's character is trying to defuse and you're not really sure who everyone is but Ethan Hawke survives what happens and gets a face transplant and then it kind of goes to another period of time whereas a bar scene and I was going to turn it off after the opening scene but then the bar scene is really good where Ethan Hawke is like playing the bar tender and he's talking to a patron at the bar and I'm really I really started enjoying that conversation and mm. um the bartender who Ethan Hawke's character by the way doesn't have a name in this he's just referred to even in subtitles he's referred to as the barkeep yeah. um so yes he starts talking to a guy who's sat at the bar they um become friends they have a wager that the guy sat at the bar you know can't tell him a crazy his life story is not crazy enough to win a bottle of whiskey and then it goes into flashback sequences about the the guy at the bar's life story um and to begin with that feels quite forest gumpy yeah yeah There's, there's some kind of like the way it's shot is quite nice. The way the voiceover, the story is being untold, um, unfolding is quite nice. Um, and it feels quite tender in a way. Mm. Mm. Um, and <sighs> as it progresses, it just gets bad. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, the guy sat at the bar and starts his story to Ethan Hawke saying, when I was a little girl. Yeah. So already we know that, you know, the guy sat at the bar once upon a time was a girl. We go into his life as a girl at the orphanage. She had been left as a baby on the orphanage step, never feeling like she was fitting in always feeling more boyish because she likes science and math and fighting which I feel Mm. is such a gender normative bullshit already yes like yes the whole oh she's so different because she's rough yeah oh and she's smart oh she's very clever that's not normal for a girl Oh, she's a bit rough around the edges. Hmm. No. No. Oh, she doesn't. She's not scared of a spider. Christ on a bike. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So already, like, 
like the irritation is beginning, you know, it's a little itch of irritation that they're conforming to gender roles and, you know, planting that seed that as a as a little girl you have to be one thing. So already I'm getting, you know, itchy palms. Mm. <laughs> Angry. Mm. And then mm -hmm. it it progresses that because she's intelligent um and she really wants to go to space, she gets recruited for the space program where they want her to go and be a space prostitute to the male astronauts. Jesus. I oh yeah 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 and, and I'm just like but just to prove that you know she's oh jeez it took us in space uh, yeah <laughs> yeah um, literally oh so, we can take your glasses off you're a woman behind those glasses you're maybe an attractive woman behind those glasses no I just I just start getting really angry at this point. Mm. Yeah, I carry it, on. I mean, this this film obviously involves time travel and alternative time lines. And in this one, when the, the space program starts in like the 60, 50s, 60s, 70s, um, the astronauts are, couldn't possibly go to space and refrain from sex for all the time they're up there. So we must get space astronauts. Space prostitutes even to go and give yeah. them a good time when they're there, but they can't be idiots. They must have some intelligence about them, and as you pointed out, be pretty. Um, yeah. So this is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, going by this, it would have been about nineteen sixty-five. Yeah. Or between 1960 and 1965, according to this timeline. Okay. So, yeah, which mm, I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I got really annoyed with the timeline but, in this. Yeah. Well, Go we ahead. briefly mentioned this the other day um, in after you finished watching it, you went straight to Wikipedia and started researching the timeline and stuff. And I went straight to Rotten Tomatoes to look at the reviews. <laughs> um, because I was just like, I need to know what the people have said about this. Um, but yeah, anyway, she's in. she signs up to be a space prostitute, mostly because she wants to go to space. And she realises this is the only opportunity where she can go to space and fulfill her dream of being an astronaut as a woman. Um, mm. But she she has to undo this grueling training ex exercises, you know, to, you know, demonstrate her intelligence and her fitness. And from the test that is shown, it kind of shows, like, these space prostitutes, space, space hookers, have to fulfill the same test as the men yeah but then have none of the responsibility or the prestige which really infuriated me yeah 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 it it just oh it was very i i just keep making noises because it just heed me off so much and then they want her to be 
for one thing I wrote a note about is what's with all the little uniforms they have to wear while they're doing this training, their little hats and their uniforms. That just annoyed me in itself. Um, it felt very Jetsons. Jetsons. About it. Oh, Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> we have such a similar frame of reference. <laughs> oh. Oh, Jane, his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're just um, so vague about certain so things. She's... And then she needs to be physically fit, but she can't be in any fights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. So, during this training, she gets into some, some fights. Then she has a really big physical fight with another girl. And... Um, Something's after this fight, she gets uh, another medical and they find something medically wrong with her and throw her out the program. Um, Afterwards, she is not sure what she wants to do because she's lost her chance of fulfilling her dream. Although the director of the program says, I will get you back, you know, it's just a promise. So she does a few odd jobs and goes back to college and then she meets this one guy who she falls madly in love with he then gets her pregnant and then disappears Mm. um following this she has the baby so nine months later on she has the baby oh there's a bit in between because um the mr space core pimp mr space core pimp comes back and um, tells her he doesn't just run this this um, elite space sex worker program but they also need elite lonely people who have no family and no connections and she starts to do that program but then finds out she's pregnant from the man who's deserted her. Thank you. So once again, yeah, once again she's uh, she's lost and then yeah, yeah, goes off to have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this then leads to more problematic bits with me. So she has the baby. Baby is born in the hospital. And then the baby gets abducted. Now, as he is telling this story about his baby getting abducted, there is no emotion. Absolutely doesn't seem that bothered. Either in the present day, telling the story to the barkeep, or in the flashback where she sudden she finds out her baby has been stolen. No emotion whatsoever. No horrified nothing. Just oh it happened. Mm. Mm. I it feel like a there's a moment sad. where she looks through the window, or you get the window slam. No! And then it's that's that's it. Just a quick window slam, mm-hmm. no moment, and then then we're over it. But yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, I I found that very difficult to deal with that there was no no trying to find out what happened to the baby, no talking to people at the hospital to see what happened, no no reaction whatsoever. Now, Mm-mm. admittedly, the baby got in the way of her dreams and maybe it was a relief but you know even having that you know relief 
would have been some kind of reaction like the baby's gone yeah. I can just be me again and I can try and get back to space but there was none of that it was just like oh the baby's gone yeah yeah there is that th that character it seems to be one note the whole way through that mm -hmm. yeah that annoyed me so much just so much the whole oh life's so hard you don't know how hard I've had it you don't know how hard I've had it in the bar and then we go through this mm -hmm. is how hard I've had it this is how hard I've had it I've always had it hard everything's hard and uh, the bits of what's about to happen I get that but you're right there is no light and shade here it's all dark nothing there is that teeny mm -hmm. moment where she does fall in love and gets pregnant but mm, there's not enough light there to cause the shadows there for the rest of the story oh it's very monotone yeah <sighs> yeah Anyway, how long the baby can take? <laughs> I feel. I feel like. <sighs> so the doctor comes to see her and explains that there has been complications while she was giving birth, and him and another doctor, while she was sedated having a cesarean, did an investigation into her organs and discovered both sets of sexual organs so a male and a female during the birth um there was complications and they had to do a hysterectomy and because of that they were now going to perform an operation to make her a man mm. so she was into sex and now she was going to become a male yeah now <sighs> I had huge problems with this because again there was no reaction absolutely no reaction like no you know emotional response to the doctor telling her these things no questions to like why am i you know in my 20s and just finding out about this now no reaction to suddenly you know living a white life as a woman and then being expected to be a man and this being forced upon her by the doctors it was just yeah. acceptance like yeah. now i'm a man moving on and i think there would have been a whole complex range of emotions someone would go through being presented with that news and you know having to question their whole identity and you know, accept themselves and they are maybe so be allowed. To... Yeah, no, they're so casual about it. There's the whole now I had to work out who I was now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I I don't know how to be a man. I've got to learn how to be a man. It's quite difficult. But then things are different. It was so monotone, and so yeah, there were things that you were expected to just kind of. It's as if you were supposed to be emotional for them or something. That uh, oh. mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It was, it was just like, yeah, okay, I accept this. I'm going to be a man now. Um, I feel like anyone, anyone confronted with that information for the first time and having that decision taken out of their hands would have been angry, would have been upset, would have been, you know, in turmoil. Like questioning their sense of self. No. Oh, they did the operation. Now I have to learn to be a man. Mm. And 
Mm-hmm. This this made me really, really angry, mm-hmm. actually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean... They I literally, feel... the scene just kind of felt like it was... Sorry, the scene just felt like, here's your baby, and we also gave you a penis. Okay. And then your baby gets taken away. Uh here's some testosterone and we're going to teach you how to not even teach you how to be a man yeah here's a suit go be a man now uh the nurses will think you're hot <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Did, I i did not i do not feel this will benefit anyone from the intersex community um Mm-mm. and i hope anyone from that community does not watch this film because they will be very angry uh, yeah. the way that these issues are being dealt with. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, this kind of brings us to the point of the end of story time at the bar. Mm. Um, in which the the barkeep asks the man, the um what would you do if you ever saw the guy that got you pregnant again? And he would be like, I would kill him. And then Ethan Hawke reveals that he is like some time travel secret agent. Oh. And I know it gets worse, doesn't it? Just when you think it can't get worse, it gets freaking worse. (laughs) Takes him, takes Barkeep takes him down to a like back room in the bar, and they time travel together back to the time where she met the guy that got her pregnant. Mm. And mm-hmm. as soon as this happened, I was like, "Oh no!" Mm-hmm. Like I could tell where this was going, and already it was like a car crash. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And. <sighs> So yeah, they go back in time to the time that she met the guy that got her pregnant. She waits yeah. outside the college for the interaction, and then it unfolds that he got his previous female self pregnant, and therefore is the mother and the father. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is what is called. Can I look this up? Uh, the um, predestination paradox, or yeah, yeah. I, I will talk more about it in a bit, but that's what they call the predestination paradox. Mm. I was just like, this is freaking stupid. It's so stupid. Like he had been living as a man for a long period of time by this point. How the frick didn't he recognise himself as the man who got himself pregnant? Yeah. Stupid. Um, Like, I felt like this was some horrible Greek parable about, you know, just like, oh, I don't... Yeah. (laughs) I'm making a lot of noises now because I do not have the words to articulate. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. Because I got so annoyed about other stuff. I didn't think about that. The fact that you've, how did you not recognize your future self as the person who? Mm -hmm. I also feel like Mm -hmm. this is some kind of just (sighs) horrible alt-right bullshit believing that anyone that isn't like a straight heterosexual person must be a sexual deviant which made me very angry as well that because this person was intersex of course they're gonna love themselves and want to fuck themselves like just that horrible um like hatred towards anyone who is not a straight heterosexual person Mm. um Mm. I'm not I'm not sure if it was meant to be like that, but to me I was just like that's such ignorant bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe very angry. Uh, and I think at this, yeah. this no, point I, um... I I was losing my mind, frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah. Then, then it gets worse, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It does. It does. It just... Uh... <laughs> Ethan Hart's character, the barkeep, eventually goes, like, time travels while the guy and the girl are together. Um, goes mm. into the future from that point, kidnaps the baby and puts it on the steps of the orphanage uh-huh. and then he goes, goes back to collect the guy after he's got the girl pregnant and reveals yeah. that he is also him from the future mm-hmm. and have that weird mm-hmm. conversation where they, they talk about how they both love her and how he understands it's difficult to leave I'm like It's so much ridiculousness thrown in one section. And by this point, I kind of mentally checked out because it it just got so stupid, so ridiculous, just (sighs) so infuriating. I couldn't deal with it. No. No. So this, this film is based on a short story called All You Zombies by Robert A. Heinlein, Heinlein, written back in 1959. Part of me wants to read that just to see how much of it is true. If it's some 1959 weirdo in a shed writing a story about, you know, how can someone be the mother and father of themselves? This weird predestination paradox thing bootstrap powder whatever you want to do this it, oh, i got into some wiki holes with this um <laughs> tell me more uh, about your wiki holes so hmm, first of all first i've i've notes i'm just going to be angry for a bit do when it. we start this film when we start this film and he's having the face transplant and they go oh i barely recognize myself blah 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 7 years later he has a full on mustache and beard 
Now I did some research and to actually have hair grow on a skin graft is something that they're still looking into because the hair don't like map on properly to um, grafted skin. So the whole mustache is a lie. Also, yeah, they didn't really, I, I know this is, this is, uh, we're looking at time travel and everything like that. I can believe the time travel. I'm annoyed about the little things though, like the facial hair regrowth. Mm -hmm. just that was the first one um yeah very difficult to get hair to grow from a grafted skin it is still being looked into um the other thing the next thing so you know at the beginning of this film we have you know mr inspector gadget running through um this train station then into this room to like not to stop the bomb from going off because they're all after this fizzle bomber person who the underlying story of the whole thing that we completely forget about because <laughs> nobody really cares. I also nobody really completely cares. forgot about the crap name, the fizzle bomber. Oh. Yeah. Um, there was something in the movie. Now, where did that quote go? Um I will quote what they say. In this job, you can't afford to make any mistakes. Timing is essential. So why did you only leave yourself two minutes to stop a bomb? Mm -hmm. You had all the time to go back, maybe five minutes earlier. Maybe, you know, just give yourself enough time to get there and actually do the job. Don't leave yourself two minutes to defuse a bomb that's going to... Oh. Um, what was my next thing I was angry about? Yeah, so but the, the main thing for me was trying to find out now as we said she's woken up from having um had a cesarean section and they've decided to change her sex no consent they've just gone and decided what sex that person's going to be um because mm -hmm. that's what the the doctors did to do a, do her or him a kindness um and what i was really disappointed about was they did mention twice, and I forgot to write the name down. Um, oh, you know that doctor? Yeah, that doctor who who was a woman and then became a man. And Bob, they made a really brief mm -hmm. reference to something, but I couldn't find anything uh, in my searches. And what I think is really upsetting is that this is a thing that happens quite a lot still to this day, that anyone who's born into sex, there's so many parts of the world where they're like, we're going to make you more male, we're going to make you more female, and we're going to make these decisions for you. Yeah, to normalize your sex and it's just or to gender what's that word to to make you more binary yes and i i do know countries where it's still practiced that the parents are made to choose yeah if their baby is in sex and it is apparent from birth they make the parents choose the sex which is yeah just horrific that yeah. someone's life is determined on their first day in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, yeah, it made me incredibly annoyed. Mm -hmm. But that that I couldn't find anything that was directly related to this film mm -hmm. that talked about, because I'm sure it's happened where somebody has been under the knife, has been under anaesthetic, and this has been done to them, where they've been given... A, a non-consexual assigned sex even though uh, they're intersex yeah i mean I, it was in the news this week about greenland wasn't it that it um they 
women who had gone in for routine operations or um, had to go in for um, contraception reasons had been fitted with coils without their knowledge. So, you know, there's bad practice everywhere. Mm. Um, Mm. And people's sexual organs apparently don't have any boundaries around them. Yeah. Yeah, but I absolutely agree with you that that it just was so brushed over that there's this entire... (sighs) There was one moment, one moment that kind of touched on the having to cope with the reality of just being assigned a male suddenly and just being given these new organs um, where she she's talking as a man so I suppose he is thinking of what's my name now what's my my name my name's not Jane anymore or if it's Mm -hmm. Jane it can't really be Jane anymore but this film was all about the how do we make this in this paradox into a story and not how do we actually emotionally deal with what is quite a big thing Mm-hmm. No, we'll just brush over. It's fine. It's it's a science fiction movie. It's fine. We don't have to think about the actual practicalities or realism of a situation here. We just need to stick to the science, the really mm-hmm. crappy science. Because again, that oh, when Ethan Hawke's character, when the barman takes takes John, uh, oh, yeah. down to the cellar. He's like, well, yeah, one of the rules is that you're not allowed to change anything in the paradox of time or this is a fireable offence, which is exactly what he's doing mm-hmm. when he takes me into the cellar and introduces. I just, oh, no, just no. Sorry, I'm rambling. I'm ranting. But, but I just but so that's annoyed. Right. It, it was really infuriating. So you went to Wikipedia trying to find what historical inaccuracies like things that did actually happen in the room. I went to Rotten Tomatoes and was yeah. like, how the frig, how the actual fuck does this have an 84% approval rating on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes? Because mm-hmm. it is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Um, it has, I've not watched a film that has made me angry in yeah. a very long time. I've often been, you know, not angry, disappointed in a film, but this made me really angry. Mm. Um, and the amount of good reviews is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a fascinating investigation into the major science fiction theme of time travel and sometimes the mind bending possibilities therein. Um, a notably imaginative film noir that craftily elevates the genre, genre into an alluring confection. Dark, moody, and visibly challenging. Predestination gleefully plots and twists into a hearty submission of inspired science fiction contemplation. I'm like, have these people watched another film from me? <laughs> um... Who are these crazy people? And then I realised I was watching, I was mostly reading reviews by men. So then I went hunting Mm. reviews Mm. by women. But the ones by the women are equally as positive. And I just... 
very smart writing, editing, and a rare film to get into to get time travel right. I'm like, Deirdre Crimmins, what <laughs> film did you watch? What <laughs> film did you watch? <laughs> Deirdre Crimmins, good name. Um, mm. I'm like, mm. what really? What film did you watch, Deirdre? Um, Natalia Arjani. Sorry if I've pronounced that incorrectly. Incorrectly, challenges the ultimate possibilities within themes of existence, procreation, choices, destiny, and whether the end justifies the means. A 360-degree head scratcher, and the word 360-degree will have a new meaning when you realise the full story. I'm like, I just want to rage quit all these oh. reviews. Yeah, so there were. I can see how people would think it was clever. Like when you uh, at the beginning, when they're in the bar together, just uh, just oh, what's the name? Lonely housewife or childless mother or something? I can't remember what her pen name was when she was writing the sub stories. Mm-hmm. Asks, oh, do you know any jokes? Mm-hmm. And he goes, which came first, the chicken or the egg or oh, the cock? So the whole chicken egg thing, they do allude to it in the beginning. There is that throwback there, which I think probably comes from the book. Then there's another bit of a scene while while we're talking, while they're talking to each other in the bar, where they keep closing up on like, you can see the ladies' toilet sign. And then later on, you can only see the men's toilet sign. So I it's like, a, yeah, I noticed those a lot of stupid things like that. Um <laughs> Yeah, there was lots of little bits and pieces where I, I can imagine people like, oh, that's really clever. No, it's just cheap. Mm. It's just cheap. I, I, I kind of, like, I kind of worked out that Ethan Hawke was him in the future. Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought he was going to get himself pregnant because I just thought, like, I didn't even let my brain go to there because it's just ridiculous. Mm. It was so far-fetched, I didn't even think of it. Yeah. Like, I just thought no one would touch that. And yeah, when, when I read the blurb there, it mentioned about a taboo. And I'm like, you, I feel it? like we crossed some real boundaries there. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing, let's just remember this this film is also what is the point of this film? Like, was it not for someone to stop a bomber? What did did any <laughs> did anyone stop the bomber? What was going on with yeah. the fizzle bomber? Was he actually the fizzle bomber? Did we find out who the fizzle bomber actually was? Yes, he, he, was fizzle, yes he was the fizzle Yes, he was the fizzle bomber. Ethan Hawke oh. in the future was the fizzle bomber. Basically, he time traveled so much beyond the point that he was meant to that he'd driven himself mad. And he believed yeah. the only way to have a good future society was to kill the few to benefit the many. And therefore, he became oh, yeah. the fizzle bomber. To, he was killing people to benefit the masses. Um, okay. And the reason he was able to continue time traveling after his contract was up with the 
yeah. temporal agency was because his time travel suitcase never deactivated oh, when yeah. he was retired. Yeah. So he kept time traveling, he went mad, and then he convinced himself that he was killing all these people for the great good. Younger yeah. Ethan Hawke then catches up with him in the future and finds all this out and kills himself. Oh, yeah. But then isn't he just destined to fulfill the same tragic story yeah probably yeah 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 i think oh, ultimately bad. i just didn't care enough in the end i got so annoyed mm. uh, that i just what was the point of that what was the point of that no um, oh, I mean, all credit to Ethan Hawke and Sarah, Sarah Crook, excuse me, um, sorry, Sarah Snook, they give good performances, they do exactly what is asked for them, and yeah. they, they are completely fine, but no, the story is really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. Mm. Um, oh, there's another stupid point I've remembered in that film. When they're in the bar and they're going down to the cellar, the guy is playing, playing I'm My Own Grandpa on the jukebox. So again, there's another hint. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I didn't didn't really go into this knowing anything about it. Literally, just picked it because two streaming services recommended it to me. But it was really yeah. bad. Yeah, and infuriatingly so. So anyway, yeah, bad, bad for me. Would yeah. never watch again. Would actively avoid these writer directors. Woo woo woo. <laughs> actively avoid any of their work in the future yeah. yeah, they really angered me yeah um yeah no no <laughs> just no mm. how long was that film because I want that hour and a half back um <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but no, I, did, I did really you know need what? to speak to someone about no, it after watching no, it. No, and do you know what? I've learned things about the the medical world of skin grafting that I never thought I'd know. So, yeah. I mean, interesting or, that you Googled that, that that was one of the rabbit holes you went down. It just annoyed me so much. It just because it's scarred skin, and then seven years later, he's there flouncing around with this full head of hair and no burn marks, or yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's always so. interesting that we talk much longer about the films that we hate, though, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> Everyone loves a good friend. <laughs> do. So, uh, so you're rating this excellent, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. I week. think I liked it more than Scorched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually just got it on loop playing in my in my front room oh. at all times. Um, I, was, I was a little bit sick in my mouth then. Uh, <laughs> so bad. 
Oh, I, I forgot to mention, I started looking up the meaning of predestination as well. It's a biblical term. No, just, just get us away from this film. Let's just stop now. Yeah, so, let's stop. Yeah. Yeah. so moving on to things we have watched in our own time, independently of each other. Um, mm. Have you watched anything? Listened to anything? Um... I just wanted to add a housekeeping note to uh, what I was saying about uh, oh yes the jinx uh, not jinx sorry um, Katja and um, oh brain come on Bianca no no No. Um, Trixie Mattel thank you so who I didn't mention in that podcast uh, in that video in the YouTube videos apologies is the editors because the editors make half that show there are four at least four or five it's those two as the front people but the team behind them completely makes it funny the editing is just hilarious so i just wanted to add that um the acknowledgement of the editing team it's not just the queens that make it funny it's their entire team so yeah i i have a feeling we'll just be talking about this every week sharon we will no. you will find a way to I forgot to mention. <laughs> Maybe this is our podcast running joke. Uh, I have more squads. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, what else have I been? Um, I don't think I've been watching very much else. Um, no. Have you been watching anything? I've been, I've had a pile of police, the last maybe like three, four weeks, I've had a pile of police procedurals just running in the background while Mm -hmm. I'm writing Christmas cards or playing like online games or stuff. Um, So I've been watching Southland um, that has Ben McKenzie in, there's maybe only four seasons of it. It's about patrol cops, beat cops in LA and I quite like it because usually there's a couple of different cases on at the same time so maybe there's like a mugging or a robbery with some gangland stuff and it is interesting the characters are very good and Mm. well thought out and it's a bit different than the CSI you know one case per episode and a Mm. lot of the conversations in the cop cars um building the relationship between the two officers. Really interesting, and it is a good watch. Mm. Also been watching a bit The Closer, which... I mean, I have very fond memories of watching The Closer with my mum when I was a teenager. She really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a Car- Kyra Sedgwick. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays the main you know, investigator. But it has not aged well at all, (laughs) to be honest. It really hasn't. Um, So she goes to a police department in LA and she works only on high-profile investigations and basically is confronted with a pile of sexism. And how she deals with this is playing up her feminine wiles, Mm -hmm. which... It's so cringy at times. I can imagine. And such, so uncomfortable. So it's not aged well. I mean, I have that 
nostalgic memories of watching it with my mum or going in the living room and seeing my mum watch it and stuff, but it, it hasn't aged well mm-hmm. at all. And I wouldn't recommend it. Southland would recommend some really interesting bits in it, um, and it's a bit different, but the closer, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, mm-hmm. I literally just had it on as background noise. Yeah. Um, two films that I've watched, one was called Plus One, which is on, oh, I should have said uh, Southland and the Closer on Freebie. Um, mm-hmm. Film I watched, Plus One on ITV, is a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. I love I love a romantic comedy. I am a okay. sucker for a romantic comedy. <laughs> um, and it's got Jack Quaid in it, who is Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid's son. Okay. He, he kind of looks a lot like Meg Ryan. So mm-hmm. in a romantic comedy, you can see like the Meg Ryan expressions coming through and it's really cute. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about these two friends in order to survive a summer of wedding fever, longtime single friends Ben and Alice agreed to be each other's plus one at every wedding they've been invited to. I may have watched that. Um, so, yeah, they've just got a string of weddings together. One of them's in Hawaii. Mm. Um, and it's just like a nice romantic comedy. It's not amazing, but there are a few humorous bits in it. Uh, Jack Quaid is kind of the straight guy. Um, who plays Maya Exkin? Apologies if I pronounce that wrong. She plays like the wacky out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, oddball of the relationship and it's just about their summer meeting up for these weddings how their relationship evolves mm-hmm. into the as expected falling for each other face and it, yeah. it's got some really funny bits in and I enjoyed it um, other thing I watched today um, my nap film for today you, <laughs> this this might be my running joke is uh, every weekend I just pick a film to nap to uh, mm-hmm. was Breakfast of Champions Um, which I watched this when I was a teenager I just I want to bring up the Wikipedia entry for it because I felt like the description of it was better on Wikipedia I watched this when I was a teenager and it's when Channel 4 used to show film for films late on a Friday night Mm -hmm. and I watched it as part of uh, film forward checking over Channel 4. And it's just this really <laughs> weird film. And it's based on a Kurt Vonnegut book, mm-hmm. which since watching the film when I was a teenager, I've read the book. And <sighs> so the plot is Dwayne Hoover, a car salesman who is the most respected businessman in Midland City, Indiana, is on the verge of a nervous breakdown even attempting suicide daily. His wife, Sheila, is addicted to pills and his sales manager and best friend, Hallie Lee Saber, is preoccupied with his own secret fondness for wearing lingerie, worried he will be discovered. Meanwhile, a little-known science fiction writer, Kilmore Trout, is hitchhiking (laughs) across the United States to speak at Midland City's Arts Festival in search of answers for his identity quest. 
Hoover decides to attend the festival. So the main character, Dwayne Hoover, is Bruce Willis. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kelvin Trout is Albert Finney. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the best friend who likes wearing the lingerie is Nick Nolte. Okay. And the pilled out wife is Barbara Hershey, who was like the the best friend with the child in Beaches. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it it's just like a really bonkers acid trip. It's going on my list. It is going on my list. It, it, it is on Pluto. And it is just so crazy. And I because I watched it when I was really young. Um like I just it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. It was really, really badly reviewed. Um it had a budget of twelve million dollars and it only made like two hundred thousand at a box office. <laughs> it has a run to our score of uh twenty-three, sorry, oh. four point twenty-three out of ten. Um okay. so, so really bad. Uh so that was the average score where it's got an overall of twenty-six percent. Um and it's it's bonkers, it's really hard to follow, it's mm-hmm. chaotic. The best thing about it is uh, Lucas Hass's character, who plays the son, um, George Bunny Hoover, who is a wannabe lounge singer and (laughs) who is obsessed with bunnies. And he's so over the top. um, And his lounge songs are amazing and just, just so cheesy. And it's just a bonkers film. Like everything okay. about it is over the top, not necessarily not necessarily linear. Um mm. just a ball of chaos of a film. Right. And that's what makes it really good. It's it's like a really bad B movie with big name stars in it. Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds great. Um and it's I haven't watched it in many years. I, I think I recorded it off of Channel 4 on a VHS and played mm. it quite a lot. And it was one of my favourite films for a very long time, but I hadn't watched it in over 10 years now and it was just as crazy as I remember. <laughs> um, and I loved Lucas Haas's character just as much as the first time I watched it. Yeah. I'll, I'll be watching it then. I'm going to yeah. check it out. And then you can review back next week. Yes, I will. I will. I have, I've just remembered something that I have been watching. Um, Cause it keeps coming up on my Facebook feed. Um, it's this woman, Jamie French. And she does, um, I think amongst other things, like one of her things is doing reviews of um, just cheesy nineties and noughties romantic comedies and like dance movies and stuff and she's just hilarious with it I think her YouTube videos are like an hour long um but she's really funny she's uh I can't really she just fully takes the piss out of the entire thing um yeah yeah she's quite fun she'll like put herself in the movie every now and then I've only watched the short um Facebook clips that are maybe like 15 minutes long but she does do full hour length ones um yeah I enjoy her 
her work on movies. I've not watched any of her makeup videos or any of her other stuff, but her um her typical girly coming of age dancey video. Anything that feels cheesy, she's on it. So yeah. Yeah. It sounds right up my alley to be yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> she's very good. <laughs> she's very funny. So yeah. Yeah, that's what I've been watching. That's available on free stuff. So yeah. Okay, I will definitely check that out because yeah. I, I love a rom-com. I love mm-hmm. a dance number in a film. Mm-hmm. Um, I will. Do we know how we're spelling Jamie? J-A-I-M-E. Okay. Jane, I think. Yeah. Oh. Friend. Google will tell me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will check that out. Um, so yeah, I don't think I have anything else this week. Mm-mm. I feel like I've ended on my favourite film of the week, Breakfast of Champions. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, film of the week? Uh, It's going to be Scorched. Yeah, it will be Mm -hmm. Scorched. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I did really enjoy it. Yeah. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Excellent pick, Sharon. No problem. No problem. I'm going to watch Breakfast of Champions after this, I think. So, yeah. Excellent choice. I don't. I don't think there's much uh, time left on it on Pluto TV. It might be on Plex as well. Um, okay. But it, it came up today on my leaving as shortly list, okay. and I was like, "I'm watching it." Right. I will get on it. I will get on it. Okay. So, right. Yeah, that's everything for this week. Thank you for everyone for joining us and listening. Yep. Yep. And uh, <laughs> bye for now. Yeah. Bye for now. Thanks.